the weather is fantastic. You were right. It's this is the first hot day. I put on my. I've I've been so used to, even even good days that we've had so far. This is this is you know what happens. I feel like I, I this is what happens when you get older. You just talk about the weather. But even good days that we've had so far weren't so hot that I couldn't wear a sweatshirt. Usually it's like a you know it's nice and warm out and like a, a sweater or a sweatshirt or something would be um, comfortable enough. Um, yeah. And, yeah. So, uh, this is like the first weather where I, I put that on, I got in the car and I just started sweating. It was a mistake. One thing I'm finding disappointing is that, uh, as a nine to five Monday through Friday or is that, uh, it's going to rain twice this week and that's on Saturday and Sunday, but otherwise I'm in the seventies. It's going to get to 80 a couple of days and then, uh, my birthday's next week. So happy pre-birthday i mean this is this is the james birthday cast for as far as um wtdg for the week of april the 11th be with you it's a beautiful day it's a beautiful week to talk about video games we've been playing some video games oh too many video games this is the 301st podcast that's so let's talk about some new video games i've been playing i played i completed dredge yeah i was so interested in this one I was interested in it too. So Dredge, you, f- you feel is... a little, you know, the, the the reviews are fantastic. I, I feel like I can't find a bad word on this game. The art style is gorgeous, and it's definitely doing, for, from all you know, from everything I've seen, it's doing something that's so unique. You you feel a little deflated though. So I feel like the game has an awesome start to it, uh, because because obviously, like the the hook of this game is like. You are a fisherman who's come to uh, this new set of these this new set of islands that's been looking for someone to replace their old fisherman, but there's something eerie out there in the water at night. And es- essentially, like it, it leads you on this quest to explore uh, a series of different islands, which each have their own like fishing gimmick to them, but also something a little sinister in the water if you know what i mean what is There's the gameplay loop? Uh, it looked like there Eldritch was Eldritch horror in this yeah it's, it... it's very like uh pick up and deliver and like inventory management of like you're going out to these fishing spots or someone will have a quest where they're like i need uh these types of fish i need them to be in like this condition so you're going out to the waters you're fishing you're filling up your inventory and you're trying to get back before it gets dark so there's also a bit of like a push your luck element to things. Oh, I always like that kind of stuff. I, I remember I forgot the name. Of Minecraft. That, n- not Minecraft. I forgot <laughs> the name of that really cute game that I that it was like it was one of my games of the year two years ago, and it had that Pikmin vibe. I always really love that that kind of like Pikmin um, thing of like there's day and night cycles, and the night cycle, the day you know you feel comfortable, and then by night I know the you game you're talking about. I also cannot, for the life of me, heart of the wild or something like that. Ugh, I can't yeah, remember. Heart of the wild. It was something like that. Wild heart? No, that's a different thing. What the wild at heart? The wild at heart? Yeah, that sounds right. The that sounds wild right. at heart, which is not a great name right now. No, because you got the wild hearts and the yeah, that was a cool game. Oh, it was a great game. Okay, continue. Uh, so this game's got a bit of that where you're like doing your inventory management. You're trying to get like the fish that you need back at night. There will be uh, sometimes like glowing areas uh, which will have abnormal fish that might have more heads than they're supposed to have or more eyes than they're supposed to have. Uh, and 
at some point you come across this collector who's looking for like a number of mysterious artifacts that sends you to different parts of the the the, the world to sort of get them and you know you're discovering new like fishing techniques that you have all these upgrade trees for so you're upgrading your your hooks you're upgrading your engines you're upgrading your lights cuz uh at night they do this thing where if you don't have your lights on you can't see like um uh danger in front of you like if there's like rocks the rocks are invisible until you have your lights on but if you have your lights on uh things in the night can see you and your character will start to lose sanity. So there's, there's this sort of like, do I have my lights on to deal with dangers or do I know this area well enough where I could turn the lights off, deal with the panic uh, to avoid enemies. And as you go through the areas and you find new uh, collectible items, you're also gaining access to new types of like special magic abilities for fishing and for getting around the world. And, this game does have uh, some amazing visuals, some really amazing really like moments, and some scares, and also a couple of really nice set pieces. Uh, it's a pretty short game, though. I think that this is like, it's either like 20 or 25 bucks, and it's probably like uh, six to eight hours to finish this game. Uh, and, I, and I felt personally uh, that the ending uh, kind of fell flat for me. So there's kind of like a good ending and like a, there, there's like a, a secret ending and like the regular ending with one of them being better. Uh, the, the secret ending you kind of have to um, like search around for a little bit to, to, to find out like what's really going on. Because uh, there is like a, a story and a reason for like the things that are happening uh, and, and sort of where you fit in the, in the world. But it's probably a good Steam Deck game also. So the, the, there is that. Um, I, I, I personally felt that, uh, and I'm someone who loves fishing in a fishing game, but, I, but I did feel like um, uh, the gameplay loop, you, you really see everything early on in, in this game, and then it's more just about like, uh, what Doing are the, the set same pieces? thing and figuring it out. And, and like the set pieces, like yeah. like going to the this set of islands, and then you're dealing with like, I, I don't want to be too spoilery on it because there is some really like amazing and cool stuff on the different islands. It's pretty short that, too. That you get so, to see. So you, so yeah, uh, you definitely want to don't want to be too spoilery. So it, it is like like so if if you like look at the the pictures or you like look at the trailer for the I wouldn't watch too far into the trailer. I would just pretty much pretty much just go off of what I'm telling it you. It is. I don't know if it's like, if it's supposed to be like this, but it is a little bit of a bummer looking at everything for it because. I, 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 but I, I know that they kind of, I, this is, this seems like a, a difficulty with, you know, a developer thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe it would have yeah. just gotten traction by word of mouth, but they, the, the, one of the tags is Lovecraftian and it looks like the game is half trying to sell itself on like, oh, this is a little fishing game. It's, it, it's got a cool art style and you're a new fisherman in town and you're going to go out there and fish and like, that's what the game is about, but it's also trying to push you and be like no there's like also eldritch kind of otherworldly exactly horrors. yeah i agree like, i agree so figure out what when which are you doing like i i mean like i guess i mean they could have done i don't i i guess i they, they don't trust you know to just release it straight faced and then have word of mouth tell you tell people say like no really i know i know you're not into fishing games but like try this like i know that this isn't exciting but 
but it, it, yeah. it seems to be working. I mean, like like a lot of people, it's got attention, more attention than yeah. maybe a fishing and, and, game might. And they show you they, they they show their hand pretty quick in the game. Like it's it's not like too much of a spoiler to be like it gets creepy because. Well, I mean, it's creepy, pretty creepy, I mean, if, if but... you don't have to look very hard on the Steam page to find that. Like I said, like if one of the tags is Lovecraftian, I don't think that you um, think that it stays too in reality for too long, you know? Yeah. So pretty cool game. Uh, you know, I I was a little I, I was a little lukewarm on it toward the end, but I, I liked uh, the journey. The journey was good, the, but the end fell flat. So I, I in the in the same vein of of dredge, I'm playing a, a, a one of the games that I'm playing the most that I think that is fantastic that that uh, people need to hear about. I know that I, I was saying that not a lot of people had heard of this, but you're but you pointed out you know that that it, it's pretty overwhelmingly positive on Steam and that that there are uh, that you have heard some people talk about it. Maybe in like certain circles, people are talking about it. I but have I, uh, four friends who own this game and two friends who want it. Yeah, and that's it, Signalis. It's Signalis. Um, Signalis or Signalis or whatever. It is. It is so easily described for me as a PlayStation One era horror survival horror game. Um, it so really like a Parasite Eve. It really, yeah, Re, especially Resident Evil. It really uh, one and two. It really apes almost everything mechanically of those and it even gets down the art style is the exact ps1 era kind of like blocky polygonal uh people and a little bit muddy textures but still looking kind of good and a lot of the the like similar to resident evil a lot of it seems like either photographic or hand-drawn textures so it just it has this awesome art style that I that I really really dig and it's perfect for what it's trying to do and gameplay wise it is it is really leaning hard into Resident Evil uh, like you can tell you can almost tell me parts of this game of like there you find a door that has a butterfly on it and it says that there's a shape for a key and then 2 hours later you find a butterfly key and then you go back or like just weird there's pu puzzles everywhere, just like, oh, there's a painting, and for whatever reason, it's set up like there's two bears and and uh, two lions, and you got to get the two bears facing a certain way. If, you know, it's like everything that is like these weird arcane puzzles that is like, who is creating these puzzles? You're, you're reading through documents that are... Uh, that are saying, you know, uh, don't tune into this frequency. Someone is giving you the answer, is giving you the um, combination for this lock that is important, that is like, we can't tell anyone the combination for, and you tune into that frequency and find. So, um, but like I said, it, it is survival horror. So you are... The, one thing that this game is... It, it, this game leans heavily into in-world terminology, um, so, it, so you are, I guess this is far, far future. You are on a mission to, like, you are a android that is, um, on, like, a ship with a human, and you're on a, you are on, like, a, uh, mission to colonize planets, but something goes wrong, you wake up and you crash landed into a previously colonized mining planet, and... From what you can tell from all the diaries, because these, like, androids and humans love to write diaries on paper in the far future. They write them on, like, a 
actual paper diary, even though it's mm-hmm. like, you know, we're, we're in literally space faring times they still use so, paper so do you need like paper. a suspension of disbelief or no i mean it, it, it all works it's just that? it's just funny thinking about it. i just think about how much fucking paper these people use in the future everything is like like the, the you know the resident evil games it's like all this you, maybe you, it just gets it's going to become cool again you, you know what i mean oh yeah it got cool again of like everyone was using their hollow decks and their their cell phones and then eventually someone's like uh, this it's like a it's like the the proliferation of the moleskin journal kind of thing. Uh, the like a hipster would maybe use of of no, I don't I don't use screens. What are you talking about? So like yeah, I, I mean, but anyway, you crash land onto a um, mining planet, I suppose, that is colonized, but all the um, uh, the humans are dead and the androids are, have gone cannibalistic, um, and. It is That's a classic. It is is super creepy. Um, gr- the the, no- the You're noise. Playing this it- on the deck. What? You're it is. This on the deck. I'm only playing this on the deck. So is this? Do you feel like you lose some of the creepiness of that, or is it like? Do you mean like it's not a horror game, but it's a creepy game? It's. You know, it's it's hard to say. I I wouldn't say that that horror wise. I mean, like there's it's atmospheric, it's tense, but. It doesn't, I don't think it's too pop out scary, too like, you know, creepy. And then visually, it's not too creepy. If they're really going for that, I think that, like, if I, I would say that if someone, if there's someone out there that kind of likes that Resident Evil format or likes um, survival horror, which is a genre in and of itself, um, but doesn't want to be so tense so so scary so like constant pop-outs feeling like anxious all the time like i don't feel like it's that level um i think some of that is not only that maybe some of it is the fact that i'm playing on the deck maybe some of it is also the fact that um the the way that this game looks is it's all uh it's always kind of um isometric-y a little bit it's like a it's like an off-angle isometric where you where you're above it and and it's kind of like the room is it is like almost positioned on screen like a diorama where where the room is 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 the smaller thing and then there's like almost black outlines for for the sides of you know the screen where the room isn't if that makes any sense so so it's you're pretty small and like the monsters are pretty small and everything and because of that camera angle, I think it takes away a lot of fear. I think that um, there, there's a good reason why uh, we saw Resident Evil move into first person, right? Because first person, yeah. the, the the limiting your your viewpoint is really scary. When you're playing in third person, specifically isometric, it's not as scary because you can see in a complete 300 you see the entire room right so so nothing can sneak up on on you there's nothing there's nothing that can like sneak up on you or 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 freak you out or scare you um because you're seeing the entire room all at once and in a resident evil 4 style over the can over the shoulder camera you you have you have a lack of information and it, and because your character is taking up so much space that you you don't you that loss of information is like you might turn to the side and suddenly there's a person there and that might scare you um and then it got even scarier with a seven and eight right because being in first person you completely lack a huge amount of information surrounding your environment you can't see anything behind you um if you're running away from something you have to turn away from it so like if it sneaks up on you or catches up to you obviously it's really scary so I don't think that like this game 
gets the horror stuff like super uh, uh, right, but I am I, I like highly recommend it just as fans of I, I, of and that's it, that's a finished game. It's not early access. Oh, it was completely player. finished. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's completely it's finished. Been out a while. It, it was. It came right. out late. I want to say November of twenty twenty two. So I I 2022. was twenty two. Uh huh. So that one, yeah. So that one, it, it came out right, right in November, right at the end of October. So, uh, yeah, that one just passed us by last year. Yeah, yeah I was a. It was on my radar, and I just didn't get it. And then now I'm back you into. Have a radar. I, I I have a radar. Um, it's a paper radar. I draw it on a journal. Um, but but yeah, I I like in in short, it really I I love the puzzly elements of it. Um, I'm interested in the story. The the look of the game is fantastic, and it it really does there there's some part of that my brain that survival horror activates so this is like one of the heaviest it, the, the the inventory is so incredibly limited in this game I, you can only pick up like i think five things at a time and that's not limited to like healing items guns ammunition um if you have any key items to open a door so the game really does that resident evil style thing of like you have to keep running back and forth in the same area. You have to go to the save rooms. You got to put stuff back in the locker. You have to only take out what you have. You're walking around with like very limited items, very, very limited ammo. This game is like way more aggressive about limiting ammo and healing items than, than Resident Evil 1 or 2 ever were. Maybe on like the higher difficulty. I feel like there was like a higher difficulty on Resident Evil 1 and 2 that, that actually like limited this stuff. But this game is like extremely limited as far as that i've had a lot of times where i'm just like not i don't have a single healing item at the time and uh, but the the puzzly stuff is fantastic the atmosphere is very good I, the story is is pretty good it the whoever developed it really leaned it like leaned into also this like like i don't know bizarre i want to say like french horror film kind of where there's a lot oh. of um cut that have different just sentences appearing in different um fonts that are like who are we what are we dead die uh, stuff like that that is like a, a little too much is like i don't know like you're not really if you're trying to make me uncomfortable i i, I don't know i feel like i've seen this kind of trope before but um, not uncomfortable yeah it, it's it's a very good game it's it's actually a, a a really good game and it's and i also specifically mention it because we we've talked before about um, it reminds I've been thinking about Wo Long and how um, there are genres that just get done so much that just being good is not enough. And this is like a very good PS1 era survival horror. And there's so many aspects to that uh, that like the, you know, like the weird puzzly nature the constantly like thinking things reading through tons of documents to find the next area um combing rooms for items inventory management um you know like just feeling uncomfortable all the time like all these kind of elements are they're they don't get put together in a game like that that often so this is this is really good um i'm glad you're digging it uh, have you played any new games? How about that Raven's Watch, right? That's a new game. I didn't play this that like, much. Um, I'm a big fan. I did like Curse of the Dead Gods a lot. Uh, this this company... Um, what uh, is Raven's Watch? What? What, what is, is Raven's Watch? Raven's Watch is a uh, uh, roguelike, because that's what we're oh, doing. That's what we're doing now. 
the the big thing about Raven's Watch and what makes it different actually is that I'm and I'm seeing more of this. I actually we haven't had a podcast since I've been able to talk about Astral Ascent, which I just fell in love with. But um, I'm seeing a lot of now uh, companies doing roguelike champion or hero style roguelikes, like you a part of the roguelike element is picking a character. I mean, it's not, it, it, it maybe doesn't, it, it's not Do always you mean like risk of rain. Yeah. Risk of rain does that, right? The risk of rain, rain literally does that. Um, uh, uh, Hades does like different weapons, I guess, which in a way enter can, the gungeon, enter the gungeon does literally that right. Enter the gungeon does literally have different characters. Um, so, so maybe this is an element that like has, has been in roguelikes, uh, a little bit of Isaac. Does Binding of Isaac do that? You would know more oh, yeah. about it. They have so many. They have like over a dozen characters in that game at this point. All right. So I feel like a lot of the roguelikes I play don't necessarily do that as much, but um, but you're right. There's a there's there's quite a list. Um, but Raven's Watch is doing this. Champion. The champions are in this game are. Um, it kind of almost looks gameplay wise a little bit Diablo-y. Um, it's that reimagined fairy tale hero kind of thing. So the first and only character in the game right now is a Red Riding Hood um, kind of character. Uh, like she starts out as a human, then turns into has a has a wolf form. All the characters from different like they're they're, they're using those different like fantasy characters to create different kits. Um, I like this company and I like Curse of the Dead Gods, but. This is a very early access game. Like, I don't really understand why it was released in the state it was. I was really excited about it. I was actually, like, counting down the days to it. I know that it released on uh, April 6th, and it was partially, like, there was a bunch of games kind of, like, coming out around the same time. So, Bedman launched April 6th, Raven's Watch April 6th, and April 4th, I think, or 5th was uh, Higgin Erythriel, which is a horrible name. Um, so there's a couple games that were kind of releasing around. Erythriel? Yeah. You will not you will not be able to spell that. But, uh, uh, so there's a couple kind of things that I was excited about at the same time, and I, and I, and I was taking off of work at the same time, so I thought it was going to be this good time for just gaming, just like, you know, like, hey, there's a couple things I'm excited about, and I'm going to actually get some time to, to, to play them, and new Snap Season, so there's a lot all at once, game-wise, but... Um, so I was really excited about this game. I had been I had been following it for a while, and uh, I liked the Curse of the Dead Gods and everything. But this is way too early access. There has to be a line drawn on these kind of things. Like I, I it is really weird. So this is a roguelike where it's you know it's going for that roguelike champion stuff. But there's one hero right now. There's one stage, and there's one boss. That's not good. Like that is really not good. You can't release a game like that. I feel like that. The, I, that's it's a demo. That's a demo. Like that's that's not early access, and it's very frustrating to see that kind of stuff because they're. I understand the smaller companies have to get their money back somehow. So so like I'll talk about Astral Ascent, which is a similarly like a champion style roguelike, but. Early access, right? But it, it's also early access. But I think that there's a lot more there now where it's not like impossible to recommend in its current state. It, it's been in the oven for a while. It's been in the oven. It's been in the oven for a while, and maybe that also released like this. But it's a bummer to to see these games released like this. I mean, there has to be a different terminology for it because early access to me says that like you, you the game is in a playable state. You can finish it, but we're there's 
the game, you know, is limited and that we want to add a lot more before the game hits its 1.0. And and games have done this, like, that, like t- get, t- most games are doing this to some degree, right? And that's why we have difficulty even doing Game of the Years half the time because you play, you know, Dead Cells for two years and then it launches. But uh, even, but Dead Cells is a, is a good example of a game that was a, a literally in the same vein, a roguelike, and was much more playable, much more to do. Um, and Dead Cells uh, in, in early access or in its initial... Uh, launch than this game. This game is really just like you, you have to call it a demo or something. It, it has to be the kind of thing that uh, someone plays this for ten minutes and then they say, "This is really cool. I'm excited for the next two years of this because maybe in two, maybe there's going to be like in a year the game is going to be actually fun and have enough variety and characters and." stages and bosses and everything to make it feel satisfying to play through and then maybe in two years it's going to be like sort of feature complete and then they'll work on dlc or something like that after that but this is just way too early to to recommend i i'm i'm happy i picked it up because it's probably something that i'm going to be more interested in and on early access there was like a a minor um discount but Mm. but uh not ready uh but i i I played a lot uh, one of the games that i played the most that we actually haven't uh podcasted since and i just like absolutely loved so much and fell in love with and just like could not stop thinking about it was astral ascent and that is also a um champion kind of character driven roguelike but it is a 2d platforming high-res pixel kind of style that I, I I usually don't always go for this, but the animations are so awesome and fluid. It it, it reminded me of Dust Force a lot because the what the better that I got at this and the more that I played it, the more the the feeling of like the controlling the characters and like the dash and everything. It is just so incredibly tight. The spells and the animations and the movement. It everything feels so good uh, to to play in this game, but. Um, so this is an action roguelite uh, similar to Dead Cells, but maybe maybe more so to Hades because it the the structure is similar where you're moving from like room to room, and you're you're essentially like choosing rooms based on like what upgrades the different rooms have in them, and then you're it culminates in like then you do a boss and then you go to the next world, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that one of the things that I other than just the the that that kind of impossible to explain visceralness of of it just it plays unbelievable. I just think that it just plays so well. I just think that the movement and everything is so well. This the the characters move and animate so well. The spells are so cool. The 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 kind of like things that make it special. The way like the elevator pitch I would say is that you one of the main elements of this game is that you have four spells on rotation. You start. Uh, you pick a character to go into uh, the game with. Currently, I think there are only four characters, but there are 30 spells for each character and four equipable at a time. And then there are something like 45 um, generic spells that any characters can 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 uh, equip to like build into a kit. Um, you have the spells. It almost on... feels like a deck, right? Because yes. the, the the spells are like you you cast them in like a sequence yeah they're on a rotation so so you'll start out with four of the exact same sp- every character has a generic spell that you always have so like there's signature a signature yeah a signature or no, spell the signature is something the sig- else. oh yeah the signature spell is there uh, is like a different button that's like a special usually like a defensive option sometimes so 
for example, like one of the first character you have is this girl with two knives and her regular spell, her, her generic spell that she starts out with four of that are on the rotate to the exact same spell. She like throws out these homing knives and her signature spell is that she teleports behind the closest enemy and attacks them. Um, and even, and I think that like one of the things that I always like about roguelikes and that I, I, I want to see is that there is a, there's synergies kind of going on. This game does handle, I always, you always make fun of me for like going to, oh, there's poison and then poison procs and explodes to nearby enemies. And this game does that. One thing that makes this game a little bit differently is that it, it handles elements, um, in different ways. Uh, so for example, um, fire works by building up fire and then it causes a combustion, which is like an AOE around it. Um, lightning works like the, when you hit targets that are shocked, it chains damage to nearby enemies. Um, poison is your damage over time. Um, there's a couple others, like there, there's different ways that this works. Like there's different ways to apply all these things. Um, there's, there's so many different things that can build into a synergy, but, um, and you start out with some of that kind of stuff. You start out with one it, in the beginning of the of every run. You get to pick one spell and one way to augment your your synergy, your um your signature ability. So you might have it so that like you know you pick your first spell and now you have like poison darts. I always I, I to go to poison and then your signature spell is like applies poison or like crits always on poison targets. So you, you start off with something very unique, but as you're going through the run, you get spells to slot into this four spell kind of deck that you said that, like you said, it rotates around. So, so you don't get to choose what spell you're going to cast at a time. It, it goes in an order that you're like, you know, you're slotting the spells in and then it's just going to go in order. Um, and you do the, the character's auto attacks to increase the amount of mana you have to 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 use the spells, um, so it's a very like flowy style of combat. It took a lot to like get my head working around it in a way that I felt like that I was I was moving around and was really comfortable. Um, I do think that like one of my biggest complaints is that the 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 spell art is a little hard to discern in like a big in like the big fray of like if you're in one of the fighting rooms and there's tons of enemies it can sometimes be like a little tricky and because every run i was just playing like this game constantly so every run of it is like you you are starting out from scratch and then you're building your list of spells you don't always like have a good feeling for what spell is coming up next the longer that the later the run goes you might actually like start to be used to it but it's a little hard and like the way that the the um spell appears above your head um isn't all isn't like that visual um isn't that like easy to see in like the in a fight but um this is a, just a phenomenal game like i i like i'm loving this so much there there was i played so much of it and i kind of ended on the note that um i had unlocked almost every, everything that i could and had a lot of successful runs with um had like one successful run with each character and uh the which there are four right yeah so the game kind of like has this like everything i think it's it's complete enough that i would recommend it outside of raven's watch but i would still maybe say that like there's a lot of people who i could imagine playing this game and then just thinking this is so great but i want to play it in in 1.0 um, and I, I i would understand that because i'm kind of there i i had so much fun with this and I, I, I'm, I, I'm having a hard time on early access games pretty frequently. I feel like there are so few of them that I really want to dip into early on. 
like so, sometimes I can't help myself like with uh, Soulstone survivors, but I'm going to talk about another early access game in a moment. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to like uh, stop for a little for a second because that is something that's on my mind again. I don't think this is like a new thing to talk about is the early access conundrum kind of thing. And I, I understand from a developer standpoint, you want to start making your money back. If you're a small team, it's difficult to you can't like a big triple a game can work for two four two to four years five years eight years maybe in insane cases uh, working on the same game and getting money from a publisher and that's how they get their money but if you're just like this small team you need money to pay people's bills yeah yeah like you have to get money somehow you can't just like do nothing for two years and sometimes you get two big releases out of it right so like um with valheim when that game came out, it was extremely popular. Like that game has 350,000 reviews on Steam. Uh, that was two, over two years ago. So, and I feel like when you know people played it, they got their fill. And when that game 1.0s, it's going to have another huge uh, release. And yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I, 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 I remember back to playing Dead Cells the first time, and I remember I played like an hour of it, and then I just turned it off because I was just, I just thought this game is something entirely different. This is going to be like one of the best roguelikes of all time. The ways that they just nailed the, like, it, it, it's similar to like, similar to Astral Ascent, just the everything that they're doing and the the overall gameplay the the mechanics of it the st art style everything is so good that it makes you think like i don't know if i want to play this in a 0.50 release because this is going to be so wild when this is done this is going to be so much better when this is done and i just stopped playing dead cells and with with astral ascent i just didn't i i remember seeing Astral Ascent initially, and I didn't really understand what it was, no, and I wasn't that interested in it. And the initial reviews weren't that great. Because, similarly, because it probably released in a, in, in a somewhat similar state to Raven's Watch, where there was like there just wasn't enough. Like there yeah. just wasn't enough. And now after they had they they recently had a spells and synergies update where they added they completely reworked all the auras and the spells so that there is like like now it's at the point where there is like tons of synergy like it, it, it did you know that tomorrow is actually the one year anniversary of astral ascent oh yeah oh yeah i remember access yeah. i astral ascent was one is one of these games where i was like i was kind of looking at it uh prior to uh it releasing and then when it i like i always look at um new releases or like upcoming releases in steam and it was a game that i was like i had my eye on and then it released and then it had like pretty underwhelming reviews and people are like it's not baked yet so um, yeah, Astral Ascent had this big uh, spells and synergies update that reworked all the spells, reworked the synergies, added a lot of extra things. I think at this point in the game also there's like a lot of different rooms. There's a lot of different... I, I played this game for around 10 hours, and I feel like for around eight of those, I, I would start to see like a new thing happen. There was like, oh, I didn't know that they would do that. that, that like this could be a room. I didn't know this thing could happen. Um, so, so like there's, there's, there is a lot there, but it, this one, unlike Signalis, which is, is a complete state that is like a straight recommend. I think Astral Ascent is like phenomenal, like incredible. And I would maybe recommend against it because like you said, I, I, I do think that this game as a 1.0 is, is nuts. And, and 
what are other games that you've been experiencing? Because there's Raven's Watch, there's Astral Ascent. Demonologist um, is the other one. So oh, yeah? I, I think that one of the one of the best examples of early access is Phasmophobia, uh, which is a game that, I, I mean, not only is it extremely popular, but it kind of created the genre of like these ghost oh, hunting games. Certainly did. And right? like you know, it it's it's actually got even more. You know, it's four hundred and forty five thousand uh, reviews on Steam with overwhelmingly positive. Uh, so Phasmophobia, they're doing a great job. They they have massive updates planned. That game might actually 1.0 this year. Uh, if it if it 1.0s this year, could it win your game of the year? Uh, that's a possibility. Uh, it's a crazy year, right? I mean, we've got uh, Diablo coming up. We've got Breath of the Wild too. We've got uh, Starfield. It, it's this year is pretty stacked, right? We have the Resident Evil 4 remake. Uh, so I've been playing Demonologist, or I, I should I should say I played Demonologist. Uh, there's not a lot to it right now. There are three maps, and in order to uh, get to the second and third maps, you need to level up your account level, which means that you have to play through the first level probably like five or six times before you get to see uh, the second level. Um uh, one of the reasons why I think Phasmophobia works so well, uh, and let me explain like what this is. So this is a, a ghost hunting slash exorcism game uh, similar to Phasmophobia where you need to collect uh, evidence of uh, the ghost using like an EMF reader, using a thermometer, using a spirit box. And based on which evidence get triggers, uh, that tells you what type of ghost it is. Uh, Hold on, I gotta mute Discord. I know. I I I had to do that too. Up, oh, that mutes myself. Um, so yeah, you're collecting evidence to figure out the what the different types of ghosts it might be. Uh, Is it ghosts or demons? It's 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 demons, I guess. Uh, and once you collect that evidence, you're doing some side objectives. And in Demonologist, there's ultimately an exorcism at the end of it, where you are purging the ghost from the house. So. This game looks better than Phasmophobia. I'm I I'm I'm saying that in a very literal sense. Like it 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 looks pretty nice, right? Like it's it's a it's a very oh, good looking. I I would say go back to Phasmophobia these days because oh. they've done so much uh, with their lighting and with their engine. Okay, all right. And there's still there's still a bit of hokiness. Phasmophobia, in, uh, Phasmophobia was was scary as shit, but it was also really funny because there was so much goofy shit early on. Did they change like when you're? So I remember that when it's still that way with the with the body, the body. The so can, like, so if you if you're like and, looking and upwards, that, it kind right? of you kind of the body yeah. kind of like rotates at the at the yeah. waist. So like and, if you're looking upwards, that, yeah, is that it's rigged for VR. Yeah. So the bodies are doing their best to like you know emulate that sort of thing. But with Demonologist, also equally ridiculous because you could buy clothes for your character in this game and you could put them in a swimsuit. Oh, is there there's like a pizza. So you could walk around like barefoot in a swimsuit in the haunted houses. I, oh, I, I mean, isn't you, that? It, 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 have you seen a scary movie? I feel like that's what happens, right? There's like, and, and I think that, a hot girl yeah. in a swimsuit, and like she has sex, and then like the monster comes out and kills. Yeah. Them. So yeah. all you have to do is dress modestly, and uh, you won't die. Or you're near um, one of the ends. I, if you're the swimsuit one, is the first one to die, is yes. what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, the second one. So, in demonologist, the first. Uh, 
I, I would say like maybe the first two times that you play through it, it's going to be scarier than Phasmophobia. And that's because there are all of these scripted events that could pop off where like you're crossing this intersection in a hallway and like some like a like a child like runs across it or there'll be like a a thing where you're like walking down a hallway and like a ball bounces towards you out of the dark or like um a mannequin will start like moving or like a piece of furniture will just like dart across a room or something like that and that kind of stuff is really spooky. Uh, maybe the first couple times. That's what right? we're talking but about. I'll... Is if it is is that like so? That's a weird thing. Like um, phasmophobia can be part of it that I think made it really special from the beginning. Is that it's very inconsistent and um, it's hard to uh, game. I mean, initially, at least, maybe this changed, but it was re it's really hard to, like, game this the system. So a lot of just stuff feels random if it's happening, and, like, it's hard to... It makes the game feel more alive or weird. But the way you're describing this, you're saying that there's, like, a lot of, like, canned animations, and there's, like, you know, a, a you, you go up the stairs and a child runs from one room to another... If, if if these if this game is you know putting itself similar to a phasmophobia that you're you're gonna keep regoing to the house and try into the same houses or, or the same environments and trying to figure out the what the creature is or whatever um, I think that won't you like lose something with canned animations right like you're gonna lose exactly like, like you can't just keep because then you're gonna walk up the stairs and you're gonna be like does the girl run past this yeah there's the girl. And and that's not even related to what type of demon it is, or even related to the location of it. So it's it's all it's like this weird thing of like you're in a fun house and you're trying to play phasmophobia, and it's full of like all of these different Easter eggs. Like if you go into the bathroom, and into your microphone, you say Bloody Mary five times, like the all the lights will turn red and the glass will crack, and you know there. So there's like fun little Easter eggs like that which would be interesting if this game had enough content where I could just be like, oh, that's really cool. I want to go to the next map and, and, and you know, see, see what kind of stuff they have there. And, and then you've got, like, at least you have, like, a fun romp that you could go through and, and just, like, see the different maps. But for now, like, if I have to finish the first map, like, six times to get to the second map, and then I have to do that map. Another, How many times have you finished it? You know, uh, I've, done, I've done the first map, like, six times. Yeah. Okay, so... so did it always happen? The ball thing, the girl yeah. thing, it always happens? No. They don't always happen. Okay. So there were but, some but, times but they where do I'll go but when they do happen, they happen the same way? Yes. Okay. Uh and and you know, sometimes it'll be something different. Like sometimes uh my favorite was uh we were in a basement getting ready for an exorcism and in the corner there was just like this woman like shaking. And I was just like, Nate, the, the the demon is behind you. And he turns around and he's like, what are you talking about? And That's I was so the cool. only one that could see it. That is, and I, I love that. I, I really like stuff like that. Now, does that happen in Phasmophobia? Or? Uh, that specific one, I don't think so. Um, and, and maybe in this one, it's related to sanity. Uh, but the ghosts in Phasmophobia have gotten like a lot more complicated in the types of events they could generate. Where like they can like lift up multiple objects and drop them at once, or there's one ghost that can open and close all of the doors near it at once. So there's like neat stuff like that, but I don't think that there's like only one person is experiencing this weird thing. Uh, but this game definitely has. Th there's a few events in this one 
where uh, that's the case. Also in this game, uh, the so you have the first step, which is uh, collecting the evidence on the ghost. Then you have the secondary steps, which in Phasmophobia, all the alternate objectives are different every time you load into the map. But in Demonologist, they're always the same. So it's like, use the looking glass to find the ghost in the house and uh, take a photo of the demon. And then the exorcism step is really lame, uh, which is, at least in the first map, it's you have to collect the five severed fingers of the, of the demon from around the house. So it's this weird thing of like, you've done all the ob other objectives, and then it generates in the house five fingers that you have to. Oh, that find. sucks! So you can't just be walking around and slowly finding the five fingers. That kind of is weird, right? It is weird, because the first thing you do at the start of the game is canvas the house. Yeah. So then you have to re. So that that okay that does seem really weird from a player perspective, um, because you've you've canvassed the house and now you have to do it again and and. You, you don't know where you, you have to relook at all these areas that you've already explored. And it would, I think I would have a really difficult time remembering what I explored the first time, you know, like, like I would think like when I'm trying to look at the house again, if it's like, I can't find that extra, I found four of the fingers or something and I'm looking at, it's like, well, did I go into this room? I, I thought I did the first try. Maybe I didn't the second try with, the, and I didn't look again. Okay. It's not in there. You know, like, I think I would get mixed up. Trying to recanvas the same areas. I think that this game will be cool, canvassed. though. What? Yeah, I, I think it will be cool. Oh it's yeah, I, for yet. sure. It seems like it has a lot of promise. It like it, it it looks like a very good one of these. It is a good one of these. It's the it's the second best one of these, uh, as far as I know. That means something. That's not the only new game I've been playing. I've I've got some other games for you. We got some games. I played Deceive Inc., which is my favorite game that I've played uh, this this podcast maybe my favorite new game i've played this year whoa so far. i mean i don't know how many new games i've played this year right i don't know but Ten? deceive inc maybe is one of the games i played this year so deceive inc uh it is most similar if i had to compare it to uh assassin's creed brotherhood multiplayer uh or the ship which is uh essentially the setup for this game is uh Kind of like a small battle royale of, I think, 10 players to a map, and you're all spies that are blending in as NPCs. Now, when you say battle royale, do you mean like there's the whole um, area and then it, the ring gets smaller or? No, not exactly. I just mean that people get picked off until there's one left. Okay. Uh, and you're and you're going through the stage collecting like resources and getting stronger as you go through depending on how good of a job you a, do. a little bit like the hitman there's a lot of people around at this party or whatever right yeah there's like tons of people uh the spies all have different abilities so like let me and so this is a game made by 18 people uh it was produced by tripwire who did like um killing floor chivalry man eater like it's they've they've done some stuff before uh, but this is a relatively new developer, 18 people, um, not a lot of, I think there's like five, four or five maps, but the maps are huge and gorgeous, like this early super access? well detailed. Uh, this is not early access. This game is out, but it also is a, it's a multiplayer only game. 
uh, it is $20, right? So so $20 for a multiplayer-only game. I, I think that it's worth the price. I At the same time, though, I think it should be free. Um, I'll, I'll talk about that a little more. Ultimately, I, I could just talk about it now. I, I think that it's very hard to sell a multiplayer-only game. I You know, Dead by Daylight is an example of one of these, right? Like, it was a $20 game. Uh, it released with a little bit of content, but it caught on, and now Dead by Daylight is like this massive uh, multi-IP like sort of situation. So and weird I, that I feel it is. Like, it's so weird that it is, but yeah. I, I feel like that's that 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 is the kind of market that this game is trying to tap into, and they've actually uh, taken one of the the biggest uh, Dead by Daylight streamers. Uh, I don't know if you know True Talent. He also played like. Uh, DBZF and Mortal Kombat, uh, but he's been streaming this game and he's got like a pretty big following. So people have been like, this game has had some eyes on it. But ten people load into the map. Uh, there's all of these NPCs walking around. Uh, there are NPCs which have different access levels. So there is like staff members who are all dressed in green. There are security guards who are all dressed in blue. And if you uh, can disguise yourself as a security guard, uh, you're going to have access to higher level areas, but uh, people are going to notice you more uh, because there are fewer security guards walking around. So if you're a security guard and you're acting weird, there's, you know, it's more likely that that person is a, uh, is a, is a human being. And then there is one, only one on the map VIP that there that has access to every single area without raising any alarms or anything. Uh, and people will probably shoot them on site because there's only one of them. So if a character is blending in as one, uh, you know, there, there's, there's going to be a massive target on their back. But this game has like a really cool, like future funk sort of style to it. Very like, um, jazzy sort of like not city poppy, but very like jazzy, funky, like espionage seventies sort of soundtrack and look to it. But with like these, this sort of like futuristic, um sort of spin on it and all of the characters are all of these like different archetypes of spies and like spy characters like one of them is this like villain who wears like a cape and has like this mechanical arm that is a shotgun that he loads using like a pen where he like sticks this mechanical pen into his like robot arm to like charge it with like like slugs one of them is like this hard-boiled a uh, police officer who has like this giant like um re- like dirty harry style revolver one of them is this tall russian spy who has the ability to uh like teleport into people who are far away from her one of them is like a uh like a gadget character who just like can improvise different types of traps and uses a slingshot one of them is a sniper who can like, you know, obviously just like has a sniper rifle, operates at long distances. And every character has access to uh, a weapon uh, and you could change between three different weapons per character as you level up your mastery with them. Uh, Each character has three different passives which you can rotate between and like an active ability. And again, three of those that you can rotate between. As you play through the map and you're, you know, you, you, finish the mission you get eliminations you're gaining mastery on the characters which is giving you access to new uh, avatars title intro poses uh, outfits 
all these, you know, types of things that you would expect from multiplayer games. And uh, that's pretty much the, that is pretty much the game. Uh, but like the maps are gorgeous. I think that it plays really well. Uh, it, it is really fun, like trying to pretend to be an NPC, trying to like blend in or like putting down traps in, in places like because if you hit someone with like a trap, you could remove their disguise and then guards could start shooting at them. And then and, and then there's like third partying. There's it's I, I think that they, they kind of just nail it. And it's a it's a pretty unique take on the game of like. You know, just like trying to blend in, trying to pretend to be an NPC. So like doing all of this wiggling, like trying to choose whether you want to like take it really like move really fast because you think that you'll beat people in firefights or like slow down so that you can uh, blend in really well. And just one thing. So, okay, I have to ask a question because I feel like I'm more I'm so caught up on this element of of this. And maybe you can explain this more because I just don't understand it. And when you talk about it, I don't really understand it. Is there any negative to like okay so what is the negative to just going around guns blazing or just shooting everything you see on site do does do guards npcs react to it and okay the guards will kill you like very rapidly or and you'll get third partied and you'll get third partied so so is so is the game like more um like assassiny where you're trying to like find a, you you think that there's a target that could be a person but it's disguised as an npc and you're trying to yeah, like so, get them alone and then like stab them in the back in like a stealthy yeah, so animation? that's a good question so the object of the game which i guess i didn't fully get to is that um you across the map there are three vault terminals uh and you don't know where they are so you're going everyone is going to these different locations and trying to activate these vault terminals. If you get to one and find one, uh, you get access to like a really powerful piece of gear uh, that's going to help you later on. Once all of the vault terminals are uh, found, a new part of the map opens up, which is like this massive vault with all of these like scientists and technicians and like uh, uh, higher level security all in this other area. And then at the end of the vault is an item that you're trying to steal. All of the spies are trying to take this item and extract with it. So you're trying to blend in so that you could get access to the vault terminals to get the gear so that you can ultimately steal the treasure at the end uh, and extract with it. All right. It's starting so, to make a little bit more sense to me. It's just that the way that you describe this, like, yeah. it just so, doesn't make any sense. So, and, like, stuff like NPCs will react to you and uh, guards will kill you. So if you, like, just made a lot of noise in one room, that, like, suddenly there'd be, like, a big fracas and then other human players might go get gravitated to it and see you yeah, as and, the NPC and, running around and be and obviously know which one is which. And you're lit. Right. So then they just can take you out because you were lit up in a fight and then they just get the jump on you because they they look like an NPC. They look like everyone else. And the different NPCs will react to fights in different ways. So like the civilians will like run and cower and your character could do that, too. Like if you you can uh, run and cower. Yeah. When you are an NPC and you crouch, uh, when you hear a gun, your character will react like that. One thing that's really interesting is uh your car- when you are pretending to be an NPC, you can look behind, you can walk backwards, but it'll always look like the character is facing forwards when you're an NPC. 
Okay. So you could be looking behind you and people really can't tell because your character always just looks like they're looking in the direction that they're moving. Is this when, third person or first person? Disguised. First person. All right. Yeah, it is first person. Uh, so it, it's, you got to You got to try this game you, or you got to like, look at some gameplay of this. Cause I, I think that it's really interesting. Uh, I, I think that the pacing of it is really good. Um, the, the matchmaking is fast. Like so far, I don't, I haven't had any issues with like low population, like people, this game right now seems to have like a really dedicated community. The they've, they've been like, um, you know, talking about balance, talking about their roadmap. And I, I kind of just think they nailed it. I hope it stays that way. I, I I do think that there's always problems because sometimes out the gate you do have the player base, but obviously this is something that is really super determined on having a healthy player base and people to get into the games really quickly and having a good variety of skill because if it just gets to the point where there's not a lot of people playing then the people that it still are playing are going to be unbelievably good it won't be fun to jump in um but i i think that there's ways to, I, we've seen that there's ways to remedy these things obviously like yeah. it could eventually go free to play or it could get like a game pass update where it's on game pass yeah but i also think that uh now's a great time to play it like play it while it's new you know, play it while Get the it population while is big. And, and you know, not every game has to be a game that you're going to play forever. Like, you could hop into this game, get like 10 to 15 hours out of it, and be like, sure. that was good for 20 bucks. Uh, but this th- this also seems like a labor of love. So I I feel like I, I've got some faith that they're going to try to, like, maintain this game and, you know, keep it going. Uh, because And I've been loving it. I think that it's really terrific. And it's got a solo mode, and it also has a teams of three mode, which I haven't tried yet. Neat. Um, You've been playing any Marvel Snap? I've been, pl- I've been playing other things, too. I played. Uh, oh. I, I just want to talk shortly about Samurai Showdown, which I played because a friend of the show, John, uh, really wanted me to Thank play you, John. it. And um, it was recently on sale with all of the DLC, um, which is a lot of DLC. Wow, it's a lot of DLC. I, I don't know how many characters... I think it's like 30 um maybe more than that maybe like close to 40 it's a lot of characters and there's insane characters um the the i forget his name maybe vanguard from um for honor like one of the initial for honor characters is in it it's bizarre i don't really have any uh ex- experience or familiarity with samurai showdown but um it was really worth trying it out and and i i played a a, a, a a okay not a lot of it like a couple hours of this because there's a, a huge problem and that huge problem is that the online is is terrible it is it is incredibly bad it is it, the netcode is horrible it is one of the worst netcodes i've ever played of any fighting game um just as a you know first of all if if i search online with no parameters, nothing changed, you know, just, reg- you know, number of matches, any connection level, any, anything, any, no, nothing pops up. I don't even know what's happening. I, I feel like, because I know that, that John created a room, so I don't know why we can't find each other in any sort of lobby. Even with Grand Blue, there's not a lot of lobbies right now. So whenever a friend of the show, Ryan Galway, thank you, Ryan Galway, and Bumper for the Use of Music, we use the intro and outro. You can get it off the new album, Pop Songs 2020. Um, when, when he would make a, when he would make a room, um, I, I was able to just quickly search and with no parameters and find him on that first list of pages, but there were other rooms, there were other rooms to be found there. 
Um, and that like that wasn't too hard to, to do to get around anyway. And then we also really didn't have any problems um, with the delay based netcode. Like it, it doesn't feel so bad to play delay based netcode on Grand Blue uh, Fantasy. But um, with Samurai Showdown, like uh, John lives in the same town as me. He lives like a mile away from me. And it was horrible. It was like, like it would slow down to like ten frames a second. It was super choppy. Uh, that that is like a huge problem because there actually is a lot of love for this game. And there was even like at the, a lot of the major fighting game tournaments recently, there have been fairly large Samurai Showdown um uh and like uh tournaments and uh like people like it and people get together for it, but it just sucks that the online is that bad. They did a um. Uh, they they did a trial run at having rollback netcode um, last month, which is one of the reasons why people are talking about it again. And it was on sale with all the DLC, but um, the trial run went horribly. The the, the uh, rollback didn't work, and it was and it was uh, back to the drawing board on that. So I hope this game does eventually get better uh, netcode and finds uh, some audience. So what makes Samurai Showdown so special, other than the fact that there's like a good list of characters and a, a really nice uh, cast right now, is that I think in a lot of ways, this is sort of the game that I've talked about for a little bit um, in, in fighting games, where it's a really good mix of like almost Smash and fighting games. So the characters have all traditional inputs. It's all traditional inputs for the specials. But there's basically no combos. The the, the longest a combo. Sorry. What? When you say traditional inputs, what do you mean? Um, so like quarter circle forward to do a fireball right. or something, or like dragon punch motions, half circles. So it has all traditional inputs. It doesn't have that new. Uh, so like there's traditional and modern. So so now like for example, we know for a fact that Project L, the Riot game the Riot um, fighting game is going to be only modern controls. And modern controls are like what you see in DNF as the uh, w where you can either do traditional or modern. So it's like modern controls are smash where you you hit a direction and a, bu and a button and then something happens. So like Ari's projectile, there's going to be like, you know, punch kick projectile button right in in um or like punch kick unique or maybe or something like that in the new project l game in the new riot fighting game um and then to do a projectile you might hit forward and projectile at the same time just just a a simple a simplistic input but in samurai showdown it is the traditional like you do a full quarter circle for you know a lot of the fireballs or half circles there's dragon punches there's all these kind of things but it is more smash like in that there are not like really traditional combos um you the the longest you can get for like a traditional combo is you can get like a jump a hit off of a jump in and then hit them with a button and basically if you think about it like there's a close slash um so there's like punch kick slash heavy slash almost it almost works exactly like that the way it works in guilty gear um and you can and the the only uh normals that are cancelable are like the close slash buttons right so the best you can do for a combo is jump in hit someone with something hit someone with what is essentially a close flash and then cancel it into like a fireball so you're, you're not learning combos the game is entirely around footsies and spacing and anti-airing all those really traditional fighting game things this game like i i feel like for a, a group of people that like especially people who maybe don't play a lot of fighting games or their experience with fighting games was 
jumping onto a fighting game and then have and then playing different characters constantly and having to say like hold on hold on wait a second and then like when the round starts and then pressing start and looking through their list of moves and then trying to see which ones they could pull off or whatever in a in in the uh actual fight like this is that game that that is is that is the layer of the game you don't need to learn anything combo wise you just need to memorize you know what abilities the characters have what like what the buttons are and um then go to town but um it's a big huge cast um the cast is really fun really unique with tons of different characters and i just love that style of focusing only on footsies and spacing and knowing your normals rather than um the the combos like it's been something that i've kind of wanted as like a thing that we could get multiple people in like the friend group into and that people could bop around on different characters and not have to learn anything or take anything too seriously like i feel like it would be a good game but again the the um netcode is terrible so don't do that until they figure that out don't it's Dang. not it's not worth a buy um in the in the meantime though uh, minor talk about Strive. I got to Celestial again, but with a different character. I got to, I was I've been playing a lot of Strive this week because Bedman released and Bedman. It, Strive keeps doing this where like there's a lot of characters that I don't think of as that interesting um, before I play them, and then when I actually get to play them, I'm like really impressed by how much love went into them and how um, unique they are uh, actually. So uh, Bedman just came out um, on the sixth. Um, and Bedman was in Exerd, and Bedman's big thing was this deja vu mechanic where Bedman has different types of moves, and after Bedman does a move like a projectile, um, it would leave this kind of badge, just mark on the screen, and Bedman could could do an, in, an input to make the, the, it happen backwards. So... <laughs> So that was kind of like the big unique thing with Bedman, and I think Stri- I think with Strive, Arxis has done a really good job of keeping you know elements of the character, but streamlining it. So like Biken is a good example of a character where she used to have this really frustrating thing where she could actually attack you out of guard stun. Um, uh, like her, she had all these abilities that like she could use only while she enemies were blo- where she was blocking you, so it made you feel uncomfortable about your offense versus her so they kind of like streamline this in an interesting way by giving her a parry which is something that like there's not really a lot of characters in the game that have a parry and she just has like this super strong parry that still makes you uncomfortable about your about running your regular offense on her but not in the way that is frustrating the way she used to be and bedman is interesting because he still has that deja vu he still kind of replays that same thing for all of his abilities but um, it just works in a slightly different way. It comes from him, and it comes on a on a timer. So he can, after any of his moves, like a special ability happens, just kind of happens out of him without you doing anything, which is really cool and powerful, obviously. Like, for the example is, like, he has a literal projectile, and after, like, three seconds, it, 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 it'll fire off another projectile. Um, and you can either delay the projectile from firing off, or you can force it to fire off. Um, and there's just all sorts of like crazy stuff you can do with that, and there's all sorts of like interesting thing. He, my initial thoughts on it is that he feels like a really well balanced character. He kind of feels like the way that Testament felt when they released, where sure. he doesn't feel so frustrating to be against. And um, uh, the more you learn him. The, the, the more that it's like you understand when you're allowed to do things and like what guesses he's making it's it's making um so I'm really happy with Bedman I've been playing 
a lot of that. And I, I, I got to uh, Celestial again with Anji this time. And I, I thought that was fun to be able to like challenge myself to do it with a different character and to do it again because I haven't done it in a while. Um, I played a little bit of Hegan Erythriel. Which yeah, is, you said that name I, earlier. Yeah, it's a really weird name. It's an awful name. It's an awful name. It's I don't know why anyone thought what of is this. Hegan Rithril is a, a standard gotcha game. It works a little okay, bit different. It's a mobile game. It's a mobile game. It's a gotcha game. Um, it is pretty nice looking. It's by Billy Billy, which is like a huge producer in China. Um, and the thing that makes... Hegan Erythriel, which is a, still a really bad name, and maybe I'm not even saying it right, but if you try and, you know, look at this word, then I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, the thing that makes it unique versus other mobile games is that you kind of set up your characters, a cast of four, you can have four on the field at the t at the same time, and they kind of, it's, it's 3D, um, so they'll kind of walk around, but the thing that makes it kind of special is that the characters have, like, do, are, like, doing these auto-attacks, but there's, it, you kind of, similar to like what we're talking about with Astral Ascent, is that you randomly draw cards, you can have three of them at a time, that is like the characters, one of the characters' special moves, and you have a resource gauge that is building up. So you're, you're having to make the choice of like, should I wait for my, I'm, I, this character has this powerful big AoE, but it costs six to use. So I can either use this character, this other character's strong single target for three and just wait for three seconds, or I can wait six seconds for a lot of this energy to build up to use the big AoE. And the way that it, the targeting and everything works is really cool. Like there's, there's a lot going on mechanically that, that like, I think a lot of, a lot of other gotchas fail at a good example of like, like the, the best way I would say, like, you know, the, the proof of purchase for the, um, way the combat works is that the AI, the auto combat, like just doesn't do good enough. Um, it really takes like usually like a human to be able to do it. And cause there's so many unique things you can do. Um, since everything is like active and all happening at the same time, um, you, you can do stuff like have a character that pulls and, and you, you're like actually lining up skill shots during the battle. So like, you can do so so you have a character where you skill shot to make it suck all the enemies in to one spot to to have it so that your character that AoEs gets more value off the AoE. That's like a generic example, but but that's in there. So um and then there's a lot of like enemies that are kind of built in interesting ways where just as the battle is starting, the game will stop and say, like, hey, by the way, this is the enemy you're fighting, and you really gotta know this because the enemy's gonna wind up and one shot. Uh, whatever it's targeting so you need to have your character that has an interrupt ability like interrupt during this charge um so mechanically there's a lot going on and i was initially like i like the art style i like the, the what was going on mechanically and even like the opening hours of gameplay like the writing seemed pretty good and almost like it was um i mean it's another chinese uh uh, uh developer um, and I say another Chinese developer because, like, the space of the gacha and mobile landscape is so dominated by Genshin Impact and Hoyoverse right now that um, it it feels like they this was made in a post-Genshin world where it makes a lot of references to Genshin. Um, and I and initially I was like, wow, I really like the way the way that they're doing a lot of this kind of stuff. But then for whatever reason, all the like really good writing kind of seemed to go away in the first couple of hours in favor of 
all this uh, garbage terminology stuff. So like Hegan Erythriel, like the name Hegan Erythriel. So so like the so okay. So there's like the Crystallis Conflux is this god crystal. Oh that, no! Stop. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. So there's it, <laughs> it's one. It's just one of those games where like every single thing has terminology so like blink and you'll blink and you'll miss it and then and then by the time you miss it you're reading text boxes that are like the castaways joining gopher squad are are turned away from the castralis clonflux and now we have to okay yeah it's like you cannot deal with this like i just cannot and and i i've been talking a lot about like i'm obviously like the biggest fan of gotchas in the world literally fight me and the thing about gotchas that keeps me there is like a good story is really important. Like the, 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 the day-to-day stuff, like I like put it the day-to-day stuff because it's like similar to coffee. It's a part of like a ritual and you're building up stuff over the course of months. But like the story coming back to that, coming back to like having a big update that adds a lot more story and getting to see that, like the characters and the world fleshed out is important. And if you just like have all these garbage terminology words and like, I don't know, I can't get, I can't stick with it. Um, can you just play one? Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. So, on the 26th, Honkai Star Rail comes out, and that is a gotcha from Hoyoverse, utilizing all that that Genshin money. It is like unbelievably good looking. It like from every direction. Like they've had a couple betas and everything. Um, I signed up for a beta. I got in, but I got a call from a Chinese phone number and. I didn't pick it up, and then they were like, you didn't pick up the phone number, so you're not allowed in the beta. But it didn't matter anyway, because, like, the betas were under NDA. I had to, I signed, there was a thing where you had to sign to say that, like, you wouldn't say a single thing about the game. So it's like, what is the purpose of this? But, um, uh, the game looks amazing. It looks incredible, and it looks like what I would want out of other gotchas, but with, like, you know, infinite money, because Hoyoverse has, like, infinite money it's insane so i'm really excited about that game and because he can erythriel or whatever is like not 10 out of 10 i'm not gonna play it because you know april 26 honkai star rail is coming out um and then real quick uh uh gotchas love their april fools and nikkei had like the best april fools i've ever seen out of any gotcha not only was it really rewarding it was like incredibly well written um actually pretty funny and that game continues to surprise me in good ways I'm still playing that every single day. Marvel um, Snap had an April Fools. Snap had an April Fools that you had to pay for, and I mean, I'm one of the idiots that paid for. Well, they it. just give you gold. You know, you could just pay with your in-game currency. Yeah, you could pay with your Which in-game. Is, uh, yeah, people have been uh, complaining about uh, rocks in the game, which is that there's a lot of locations. And cards that generate rocks. Which there is a lot of locations and cards that generate rocks. I, I someone had asked the question on Reddit. Is rocks some big part of the Marvel universe? Really, like, what is why? Yeah, and and did you see what Marvel? What they, they the did? Snapton put out. They, they wrote out, a, like, a fantastic, fantastic write up for about rocks and the history of rocks in Marvel. Yeah, uh, so you could buy a um, an avatar, which is just a picture of the rock, and you get a title that says "I got a rock," and that's like five hundred gold. So like the equivalent 400. of um. 400 so the equivalent of five dollars worth of gold or a year or like a couple daily missions or something yeah um uh, and uh, they I... also did a uh for april fools they did an extra hot location which was bar with no name 
Uh, but you know that's that's in the weeds. But it, but it was neat. I got to Infinite for the first time last season. Oh yeah, I got. We should we should talk about this a little bit because I'm been... on the and I'm on the precipice of Infinite again. Once you once you get to Infinite the first time, it does become much easier to do it again. For a, cu- just, a couple different you start reasons. Closer. You, you start okay. Closer to the top. Okay, that is one element of it. But I also think that uh, so a lot of snap ideology, I think is a little bit because it is a card game a lot of it can come from stuff like poker where where confidence poker, i hardly know her anyways yeah <laughs> poker face poker face um i feel like a lot of it comes from stuff like poker where confidence is a big aspect of it there are things i feel like in marvel snap that you can get the gauge the confidence of the opponent not just through like dumb emotes and shit like that but like their timings on things um and the ways that they're playing and everything like that and you know their decks like if they play out cards too soon like if, if they, they play yeah. like a zero drop early on instead of saving it you're like oh this guy's a rube so i think that some of it and and, and some of the the initial first climb is just like so mentally taxing that once you've done it one time, you're like you you feel almost owed it the next time. Of yeah, like... I also I also did it um, during a hot location two days before the end of the season, so it was like very stressful of being like I'm gonna I only have a few hours on this hot location. That's really I built a really good deck specifically for this hot location, and this is the time that I'm gonna do it. And if I don't do it now, I'm not gonna do it this season. So that was it was stressful. Yeah, I think like there's so much to be said about hitting infinite um, for for me, and I, I, I you kind of said some things along the lines about this too, where especially that first time, it really is like very life consuming for a little bit, and it puts like a lot of weird, it put a lot of weird stress on my body because I was just like a lot of free time that I had on that first initial run, I was just grinding. I was just grinding nonstop. And it was like play, the, the the first time I got infinite, I, it had to be the, the time where I played the most games where I just played like, just, I hit the just, booster cap, just thousands of games, just like yeah. 10, ten, like not even thousands of games, tens of thousands of games. I was grinding nonstop that month. I was really like putting my heart into it. I was going, I was, I would I spend like, there was one day I, I had off. I woke up, I played the game for six hours and I got negative three ranks. There, there was days like that where I, it, it puts such a huge like mental stress. And then there's, there's like tons of other things of like, the, the less confident you are, like there's just days where you just don't feel confident. So you're not even like sticking in to see things out and just not understanding, but especially getting it the first time, you just like learn so many things about the game, about the community, about the current metas and everything that it just, I, I feel like I'm better yeah. equipped now. And then also it, obviously there was that change to the amount of cubes. Yeah. Or they've made it uh, less grindy. Yeah. Uh, they give you more cubes whenever you hit a new rank. Uh, so they start you, once you hit like um, rank 60, uh, they bring you up to 65. Once you hit 70, they bring you up to 75. So that you have a little bit more um, wiggle room before you drop a rank. Because the, there's no floors in this game, which means that if you are 70, you can drop back into the 60s. Which is unfortunate because at the end of the season they drop you 30 levels below uh, the floor of where you're at. So if you're at 69, 
Uh, nice. They will consider nice. that they'll drop you to 30. So they'll drop you because you're in the 60s. They drop you to the 30s. So it, it's awful at the end of the season. There are some times where it's like it's more efficient for me not to play for a couple of days, because if I drop, I'm going to lose literally 10 ranks. at the start Yeah, of the there's also season. always that problem of like when you're on the ladder and you're not infinite, um, you, you can feel punished by experimenting, even though the game is like in its core actually about experimenting because just we've talked a lot about snap i mean like i if you if people have heard it it's like you know it's the more net decky you are the more that someone knows exactly what you have so you you do get rewarded for uh by, by like raising up uh the 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 ladder quicker by having something unique that people are confused by or don't understand the power of um but at the same time, it, it, it is punishing to people who are in that 1 to 100 range because they, if, if they are trying to slowly tweak things, you can, maybe they, sometimes there's times where you tweak the deck and it actually you did make it better with some of the changes you made, but you just get a run of maybe unlucky, you know, run. You, Deck-based you, matchmaking. Yeah, it's, it's, sure, your deck-based match. you're on loser's queue and the game uh decides that uh you have to be up against this locate you're playing your dazzler deck which is your favorite and every single round you get sanctum sanctorum because um second dinner specifically hates you and targets you um so there's stuff like that that happens even though your dazzler deck is like the best i know it is it's definitely the best you're the smartest and no one else has done dazzler and you're gonna make it work and you figured it out and look at how much traction this dazzler deck is getting i can't wait for you to get to infinite and post it on reddit but, I, uh, but, I mean, for what it's worth, this is the equivalent of like being a hipster. I got to infinite with Sentry before he was buffed. So I took what was considered one of the weakest cards and brought it to infinite. Uh, and then he was so bad they had to buff him. Come on. Yeah. And then while that happened, I got to infinite yesterday playing a like a trash deck with Sentry. And then this morning I wake up and Jeff Hoogland says, I got to infinite with this trash deck with Sentry. Come on. Yeah, he he wasn't playing a trash deck with Sentry. He was playing a Darkhawk uh, Valkyrie Sentry deck. Yeah. To be fair, not a junk deck. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I do... So, yeah, what else... Do you have anything else to say about it? Because it is, like... It feels like a big thing to get to infinite, especially that first time. It was a little emotional, you know, yeah. the first time, because I had invested so much into this game. Uh, it's also weird. Uh, I mean, th this game doesn't seem very large. Like the community for this game isn't massive. It's, it's weird, like fighting streamers. Like I've been on a bunch of streams. I've been on Jeff Hoagland's stream. I've been on like paper stream. I've, I, I think I, I, I fought and beat KM best once. Uh, so that all like that is weird. And it almost, it's less exciting to be good at a game that fewer people are playing and fewer people have eyes on. I always, you always say this, but I don't necessarily, I feel like, well, let me like, I wonder how the, the, the numbers are. It feels like there's a good amount of people. I, I do think that maybe some of what you're saying, you feel like because the game, uh, the, the, okay. When, when you think about the way that any ranked system works, I, I am increasingly surprised by the fact that people suck at things. They really suck. I, so I should say that I maybe a, a better way to say this is that this game 
has a larger casual audience. Well, I mean, it, than, it, so yeah, it, than other than other like I would say that there are more core gamers playing something like Legends of Runeterra. Like a casual Legends of Runeterra player is more of a core gamer, air quotes, than a mar than a casual Marvel snapper. Yeah. So, so I do think that there's a lot more people in that casual. It is Marvel, so I feel like there's probably more people that just like, you, you know, for every one person that's like us that watches and consumes a lot of uh, content about this that is, you know, up on the meta that goes to infinite, there's probably two or three other people that are, that like Marvel. They're probably nine. That, they're probably they're like probably nine, nine other people that are, that like Marvel, that downloaded the game, that every season they, they don't buy the pass, they fuck around at like rank 20 and 30 and, and then that's out. that's the experience they they get on they don't even do their dailies sometimes they get on they mess around they they make a deck with their favorite characters that makes no sense and that's it and and then they think oh there's all these new cards coming out that i'll never be able to have yeah so you you do have to i i think there's that is an element of it and then i think that there's another element of it where if you looked at the same if you, if you look at any tier if you look at any rank structure of like literally any video game because i look at all this kind of stuff if you if you look at valorant if you look at league if you look at um marvel snap i'm sure there's this massive everyone kind of it, most rank structures kind of put everyone into the center mass where in valorant most people are just gold or silver and the amount of people in gold and silver dwarf the amount of people that are in the other like eight ranks and because of that you are getting to you like when you're climbing you're getting to like 80s and 90s there's so few people at some point for you to play against that you're you're increasing the chances of you fighting against streamers and stuff like that or refighting the same people because you are in like this like who what is the amount of people that make it to infinite if i had to guess i would say it's around one percent it might be less than one percent the amount of people that have the game downloaded and play like maybe open it a couple times a week i i have to think that it's like one percent it's not a lot i of wonder people. if it's gone up consider i mean it had to it has to have right? gone up recently because i do see a lot of posts now of people saying it it does it is it is much easier and it does take much much less time yeah nice gamora it does take much Isn't much that crazy yeah i've never seen that before i've never seen that either um, it does take much, much less time. Um, it's, it's less of a, the, 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 uh, the way that I would, that, that I think that, uh, it was for me the first time where I had to do tens of thousands of games to really grind it out has changed considerably with the chain, with the, the, um, the five times this amount of cubes on getting the new, um, uh, uh, rank. Like I did all of, I did, um, 85 to hundred, uh, yesterday in a couple hours. So like it's. It's much more doable, and um, but you're it, also a god gamer. I, I don't know about that, but um, uh, yeah, I, I do feel like uh, that the that you it makes sense to me that you're that you fight those people um, because the the group of people who are in infinite is probably insanely small compared to the the, the group. You of fight other the people. same people over and over. I I do. I I, I kind of have my own people when that I, I say fight. you. I mean everyone. I, I there I fight like a core of twenty people. I I, I Not feel literally, like, but it's close. Yeah, I feel like I I do see like there's a couple names that pop up that I'm like ah oh, this person and like I there's there were times where like I know the, the the deck that they play because there's there's people who I 
there's people who I fight against who like are the, just like the nastiest net decking monsters that play like tier zero or some of the most uncomfortable, like unfun yeah, decks. There, like there's there's people I I think one of the like the people who beg who like have cube begging names. There's like one person whose name is like if infinite please one cube, or um like rank ninety eight please donate. Both of them play Shuri. Yeah, I don't know if like, you ever fought Hashimoto. Hashimoto. No. Okay, Hashimoto is someone I fought so many times, and they always, like, during big Galactus era, like, they just would play Galactus, they're very, like, emote spammy, and I fought them so many times, and I almost always, like, know, they were Galactus Null, and they were Galactus Null when that was, like, two tier five cards. That The first time that they got me with it, I was like, all right, let's prove that you've got Null, right? Like, there's, because there's no way you do, and I feel like I win the game right here, and then they dropped the zero power death, the... 48 power null and it was like oh this person hashimoto my nemesis but there's there's people like that for sure um i uh but i would say that this is a really good era of snap i think that like people people will disagree and it's crazy like people are obsessed with the idea that like they can't win because of shuri or something but the meta feels so good right now they they announced um and this is a lot of snap but that's what you're here for, right? This is the end of the podcast. So if you're still here, then you want to hear about Marvel Snap. Uh, but they announced a balance cadence where every two weeks we're going to see adjustments to up to four cards. And there will always be a buff. Yeah. Always be at least one buffed card. So the tiers, the deck that was considered the best in the game uh, got nerfed again. Uh, it's getting even more nerfs in the future. Uh, people who want this deck nerfed further are foolish. Yeah. Uh, because it is actually, for, for a deck that is um, considered to be extremely high tier, it's very interactive, and there's a lot of ways to mess up. It's very linear game plan. Uh, and, when, and when this deck goes away, when the Shuri deck goes away, which is this very strong but linear deck, there's, there's a whole sea of more obnoxious decks right below it that people are going to be so much more upset by when they're like fighting sandman all the time like they're going to be bummed out yeah um that sandman deck is no joke yeah i i agree i agree with you like i i think and i think that it's it it always reminds me and and we were talking about you know the where people at are at and and it's weird because for for people who are on the subreddit, they're they're that one step above the person that I'm talking about that just kind of downloads the game and likes Marvel and doesn't really pay that much attention to it or doesn't really want to like look at stuff like the meta or read things about the game. Um, and then there's this group of people that do in fact read stuff about the game and actually are not very good at it. And there are people on Reddit that are like. It, it, every season people say is it me or is this season even harder than the last one i can't get past 40 and all this kind of stuff and it's like that is a skill issue that is always a skill issue if you can't get past 40 that has nothing to do with the cards that are popular it, honestly the it's decks. also like an amount of time issue like if you put in a, a little bit of time there are so many bots out there right now that if, if you can't get past 40 it's because like just just play the game more. You'll fight bots. You'll get you'll get through it. I think it's a skill issue too, though, because I do feel like whenever the times where I, I also when I watch my my LTCP play, I see the weirdest shit. I see like the weirdest plays, the stuff where I'm like 
this makes no goddamn sense. Why is this person doing this? They misplayed like so hard. Just like just weird, weird stuff. So I feel like people who yeah. are playing at that level just like they 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 maybe don't understand the game's core mechanics as much as they might think that they do. And um and, and then there's a, and then there's this group of like I, I I feel like there's there's people who are like I saw a post that was if you don't nerf Shuri you're, you're like losing players because people because uh, Shuri's so broken. And then meanwhile like. I didn't really have that much fun playing Shuri. I don't. I don't think I ever have, and I didn't see that much Shuri. I feel like it, it's the negative voices almost always outweigh the positives. But I do feel like in a couple of months or like in a month, people will look back on this meta and say that like this is actually pretty good. And when I, when I saw recently, I wanted maybe it was Hoogland or someone. I saw a couple tier lists for decks recently, and there was no tier zero deck. I don't think that there's any deck that is like. No. Also, um, this, you might think this is kind of funny, but uh, I decided to drop. I think it was three dollars for access to Untapped Premium, uh, which is Untapped offers a free deck tracker. Uh, you could get it, and it's it's on PC, it's on Android, and you know it keeps track of. Uh, your cards in your deck, but that's what the free version is doing. What it's also doing is it's collecting telemetry, right? It's collecting information on the decks that people are playing. And if you pay the $3 or $5 or whatever it is, you get to see all of that information. So I have access to what are considered the best decks right now. And I can tell you that there's no S tier, but at tier A, the best decks based on average cubes are uh, Sarah Control at number one, Shuri at number two, Doomwave at number three, and Patriot at number four. All of those are considered A-tier decks, with Shuri being the most popular, but not having the highest cube rate. Yeah, I just feel like there's a good... And then and then those tier B decks are right there, and they're, they're pretty aggressive, and just if anything, if you pilot the decks better sometimes, sometimes it's just better draws, locations, like... Those decks are scrappy. Those decks win. Like I, I, yeah. I, I, I didn't it's, get to, I, I didn't get to infinite with those decks with the tier A yeah. deck. So, and, and we're not sponsored by Untapped, but their data and their data management is insane because you can like filter that by player ranks. You could filter that by uh, their collection level. You can look at the decks and say like, show me decks that contain Sentry that don't contain Viper. And you could see like the win rates and cube rates. There's really interesting data uh, that's available there. Uh, and let me let me hit you with a quiz because I, I know that we all we're, we're a big we're big quiz heads on this podcast. All right. So tell me what do you think is the most popular deck in the game uh, for players who are uh, pool three complete? Hmm. I mean, there's Death Wave is like I see. I feel like I see a lot of, and that's... this is a this is a lob, most popular deck. Is it Shuri? It's Shuri. Yes. Guess though, this one is much harder. Guess the second most popular deck. Um, I I, I really keep feeling like it would be, is it Patriot? Nope. It's not Death Wave. I mean, I well, is it it it's a special type of Death Wave. And that would be Thanos Death Wave. Oh, okay. Thanos Death Wave with Doom as the second most popular deck in the game. Hmm. Interesting, right? Yeah. I do feel uh, like I feel like the, the the snap people are just not creative enough a lot of times. It it is 
a problem where sometimes the player base, you mean? Yeah, the the player base is is not creative enough. I feel like there's a you you get games. Maybe this just happens in general these days where. Um, and, and it, it can make sense because people don't have the time to experiment. Maybe you're, you're, you, you don't want to play Marvel Snap eight hours a day like Jeff Hoogland or something. So you don't have the time to experiment and try different things out or see that kind of data. Um, but th- you get this problem where people just are, they, they're like, uh, whenever I look at net decks, the net decks that say that they're winning is just play Shuri. So I just play Shuri and I'm not having any fun and everyone's just playing Shuri. And it's like, because you're not creative and the people around you aren't creative and that's your problem. So there you go. But, but, um, but I, I I do feel like this. It's just weird. It's like a good. It's a good time for for the meta. There's a lot of different things that are working out, and it's just so bizarre to me that people would complain about this meta compared to like when Arrow was the best. When Arrow was the best, it was like you literally have to run her, and there's times where like your deck is worse for not being able to fit her in, even though basically any deck can do it, and that the game was about. It was like so limited. It was like you have to win by turn five, yeah. and if you don't win you didn't by turn really five, get it's to over. interact with that. Yeah, there's there's like so many deck. There's so many times where there's been like unreactable decks. I mean, like like even like Thanos tier one with Lockjaw was pretty insane because it just had an answer for everything. And, and it's still so powerful. It's still like powerful, it's but it's like toned down a little bit. But I, I wonder how much worse this game would be if it didn't have Leech and Sandman. Yeah, you which need, I, like, I understand why they're in there, but just give us. Give us two weeks without those cards. Like, like do weird shit like that, right? Like, just where they're like, for two weeks, these cards aren't it. I always think it would be really cool to uh, to to get wild. I mean, like, like just just they already do are trying to do that with different quick balance changes. But it'll it'll be fun to see how that affects things. I do worry at some point of like, if you're balance changing that rapidly, is it is like they're going to be time to settle? Maybe it's fine that there that there's no time to settle in in the I mean, past. Yeah, and I, I could also understand people being like, "I'm trying to grind to infinite. Stop changing shit. I yeah, need, I just want to play my one deck." I did say, you know, I did. I th- I forget if I said this on the podcast, but but for people who are trying to go for their first infinite, literally, if you think that the meta sucks and that there's one good deck, then I don't want to hear any complaints because that is the best time. Don't like, don't fucking complain about. Oh, there's only one deck that wins, and it's Shuri. Okay, then play it all the time. What is you? Where? What are you complaining about? Is it? Do you want to win? I play it. I don't draw Shuri. Yeah, like, like I feel like I don't understand like the complaint because one of the I I made it to one of the easiest times other than this 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 month, which I think was the easiest time ever. But when I uh, the last month with Thanos uh, Lockjaw being tier what about one. Zabu? Uh, Zabu wasn't that, was, your, wasn't that your first? That was my first, first time. Internet? That was incredibly hard. That was incredibly hard. But but like that that was a bad meta. But there was different decks. The more decks that are in that like high ranking, um, the the harder it is to. And also, I was probably stupider and worse at playing the game. But and, and the better the game it is, the yeah, harder it is to climb. The, the better, the better the, game. the game it is, and the harder it is to climb. I, I I think like it. So so there's there's two ways to look at any meta. I think if if you if if you have a meta that is ridiculously set, like like last month, it was so dominated by. Thanos was like just tier zero. Thanos lockjaw, just nothing can beat it because it has an answer for everything, and it and and it doesn't matter if something beats it because on turn five it leeches you. So when that deck was out of control, it was really easy. I just I, I wanted to get to infinite. I just played that deck a lot, and it was and I just played a, a, a my version of the deck that was made to specifically fight other Thanos, and I had a really good time playing it, and it was really easy. And because it was, it, I was only fighting like usually. I fifty percent of the time fought mirrors, and I still fought lots of shuries. I I always knew what to expect. It wasn't really that hard. Like I I, I know like I I could like math out the numbers, the final power plays of most decks pretty easily. And 
that makes it easier. The, the crazier the meta is, if we had a completely like, I don't know what the word like completely balanced would mean, but if we had a, a, a meta where every card and every deck was like popping off and everything worked, how would you climb? Like, it would just be like, th you're just like, you know, every deck, every, you wouldn't be able to prepare for anything. Like, part of of there being like these higher level decks that is that is that is healthy is that it gives the game some structure so that you kind of have an idea of, of like okay so I'm I'm queuing up and I think I'm gonna queue into like right now I would say I'm queuing up I think that there's a chance that I could queue into Deathwave, Galactus, Shuri, Shuri Zero, like there's 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 these different things. Like there's there's still like a little yeah, bit of hit. There, but there's detective work to it, right too, right? So if someone is playing like Bast, and then they play Ant Man, then it's like okay, they're gonna try to Valk me on the last turn. Yeah, these are, and that's how you get good at the game. Is like you just got to become a good detective. Yeah, but it's just important to like you. you Speaking the, of being the, a good detective, go play Deceive Ink, right? Hell yeah, <laughs> dude. There's a detective character that can like study objects, and then if she studies three objects that another player interacted with, she can see their location. Dang, that's that's crazy. Maybe I should check it out. I have today and tomorrow off so um are there any games on, in the future you're excited about uh honkai star rail honkai star Ghost rail Fire, grand blue rising tokyo comes out on a uh, game pass in a couple days not a game that i was excited about when it was coming out but for free i'll check that out it looks great it's good looking street game. fighter 6 is looking good it's really frustrating me because uh, um everything is, is like it, uh, I know that street fighter 6 is in its gold state where it's like ready to ship but the but it's it, 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 this infuriates me because Capcom does this a lot where they give a lot of early access to people who are pros to play it. And then also they've run like five or so betas. Yeah, they've run like five or so betas by now. And then also the other big thing is that people have it cracked. So there's a lot of people who are playing like offline um, Street Fighter 6 without like uh, when there's no beta and they're just learning it. And then there's and then meanwhile, I still got like two months to go before it comes out, I think, June and a couple months ago before june and like i'm just the 